Nothing I enjoy more than being a walking contradiction. Now I'm an atheist with a guilty conscience. You are going to be editing overtime this week. Hello, welcome to How We Saw It Podcast. This week's topic is a very sobering look at comedy. I am Mike, and as always, the Laurel to my Hardy, the Gene Wilder to my Peter Boyle, Aaron. What's up, everybody? Just want to remind you all that you can uh, listen to us at this point pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you dig what we're doing, please leave us a review and then come on over to our Facebook group and hang out. We release all of our episode info there. And if you'd like to check out my blog where I talk about politics, go to thevoiceinbetween.wordpress.com. It's your job this week to keep me awake as I'm working on 45 minutes sleep here. So you better be interesting. I'm going to give it a whirl. And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, What's Keeping You Sane? So what did you do interesting this week? It was... uh. It was a pretty uneventful week, I'm not going to lie. Uh, oh, what did I just warn you about? I know, I know, I know. I'm already off to a terrible start. But I figured maybe if I start with your expectations being like really low, the, the rest of the episode won't seem so bad. Um, <laughs> uh, I, my week was basically spent watching like weird shows on the cooking channel and uh, listening to a ton of Motown and R&B music. Like I probably listened to like five hours worth of music today. It was uh, it was great. Like, I don't know what it is about Motown and R&B that I associate with like Sundays. But in my head, it sounds it's like Sunday music. Like I, I hung out on my couch and had a cup of coffee and listened to like Motown and R&B stuff. And it easy. was like, what? It's easy like Sunday morning. It was easy like Sunday morning. So it was perfect. I don't know. It's uh, I, I enjoyed it enough that I think maybe it'll become a new like habit whenever I can make it happen. Yeah. Uh, but aside from that, like I really didn't have too much exciting going on. There was, it was a pretty blah week. How about you, man? What kept you sane? I found a new video game called Everspace. It's a roguelike in space. A roguelike is a game that is like the original game of rogue, which had you dungeon crawl with a character and there was bit permadeath for that character. So it was a one-shot run through the dungeon. Right. This game, you're a clone of a scientist. So every time you go out into space, you go as a clone. And credits you earn carry over to the next run so you can build up your ship to be a little bit better each time. So it creates that uh, kind of like a Skinner box almost of that cause and reaction. You can just get a little bit better each time. So that's that's a pretty addicting formula to do. Plus it's in space and you blow up shit. Right, so how can you go wrong, really? Exactly. Hot take! take. Okay, Aaron. This one's for you. Alright. Due to online trolls and people who felt Brie Larson's comments on white men were too controversial, Rotten Tomatoes has taken away pre-reviews from users. The preview reviews were more to show audience anticipation for a movie, but it has been used as a tool or weapon to push it, someone's agenda. Who is at fault for this fallout? Brie Larson for using Junket to foster change or angry white males who think the world is against them? Wow. Uh, I, didn't, is... I didn't load that one, did I? No, no, no. This is this is tough. I mean, how? who do you really pick? I mean... I guess, I guess you know. After careful deliberation, I have to go with the uh, the angry white men. <laughs> I feel like it's. I feel like more often than not, it's kind of their fault. Um, like the first thing that jumped out, like when you're reading that, to be the first thing, like how do you do a pre-review? How do you review some shit you haven't seen yet? <laughs> like, how do you talk about? How would you talk about a book you've never read? Like, how would you? review an album you've never listened to like you can't do it like gauging audience participation shut up that's just stupid like put out good trailers and audience participation will or audience anticipation will show up for you on opening night or Mm -hmm. opening weekend don't like i don't know they almost 
they they tease movies so far out now and so heavily that like the oh god the a pre-review that's just dumb like whoever said that should i hope they got glared at like i hope it's somebody that's just not really there anymore and like when they said it in the office everyone just kind of gave them that look like okay like review some shit you've never seen um <laughs> and like i've i've read like I, they say you never read the comments but i every now and then i will go into a uh like a captain marvel trailer spot on like facebook or something and i will read the comments and man is it like they're just so just angry it's all it is it's like you said it's angry white dudes like, i'm not putting my money down good don't like not everybody needs to hear about it i don't care if you go see the movie or not like and neither does disney because <laughs> you know for every one of you there's like Eight thousand, you know, other people willing to go see it, uh, probably more than once. Um, and no, like I don't, I don't always think, uh, I don't always think that you should talk politics. Like you shouldn't kind of shoehorn it into every single conversation. But if you've got an opportunity to make a statement about something, make a statement about it. Like I don't, I can't say I wouldn't do anything different if I didn't have the platform to try and foster some change in the world and like make people think like mm. angry white guys just love to, to assume that they are the most oppressed people in the world. Did you know that? Oh yeah. Like there is nobody, are. there is nobody more oppressed in the world than the, than the angry white man. Like it's embarrassing. Like people look at me and they're like, look at that guy. I, I swear I'm not like them. Like we need to get our tea torches. I know. I know. Let them know how angry we are. Yeah, they got to know. <laughs> I mean, you know, just not going to a movie is is simply not enough of a of a reaction. We have to we have to just burn it right to the ground. Like, damn you, Disney, and damn you, Marvel, for making this movie that I'm not interested in seeing. Like, would, like who has that complaint? Like, there's plenty of movies I'm not interested in seeing. I don't think everybody else should have to not see them too. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know. Who sees yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna. You're, you're not, not gonna, tanking it, right? It makes no sense to get angry over the actress's statements. No. Why bother? She can think what she wants to think, just like you could think what you want to think, and the next person could think what they want to think. Doesn't make it right. Because guess what? Uh, James Woods is a good actor, but he's a yeah. very shitty person. Yeah, he's a terrible person. He's a terrible person. But uh, yeah, every now and then he pops up in a movie that I enjoy. Actually, I think we've discussed that before where it's how do you separate the art from the artist? It's hard. Well, now, like, I guess it was probably easier, like, prior to social media, because you could hear rumor about how awful a person was. But unless they made the news for it, you, you know, you could have just passed it off as hearsay. But now, Jesus, he like... He trots out on a daily basis multiple times what a fucking slug he is. <laughs> like, it's like he's not even trying. Like, sometimes I'm like, maybe he's just in character. I'm like, no, he's a dick. Like, stop trying to stop trying to soften the blow. Like, he's a horrible, horrible, horrible person. Social media has made so many people disappointing for me. Mm, yeah, well, very much so. On both sides of the spectrum, I didn't think of people on the on the opposite of james woods who are their opinion my opinion of them is lowered because of their social because of how they conduct themselves yeah it's one thing to think of the character they play on tv or in the movies or something like that but to actually see that they're a dirtbag in real life right (laughs) and i think that's the hardest thing because you picture them as the characters that you enjoy them playing as and then when you find out that they themselves are kind of deficient in some way that it just kind of makes life difficult. Like think of, you probably have, I'm guessing have a list of people in your head that if you ever found out they were horrible, you'd probably be really, really sad. Right. Oh, who would that be? Uh, Roman Polanski. If I find out he's really bad. Yeah. Woody Allen. Yeah. Yeah. John uh, Lennon. (laughs) Um, All right. So, all right. So, so, so you're sitting, right? Because I guess, I guess we probably have to talk. <laughs> none of them are none of them are nice. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. 
Uh, at this point, I think we've got Chris Evans, um, Tom which Hanks. is fine. Tom Hanks, uh, Gary Sinise. No, I don't. I don't think so either. Like, is it? Is he? Yeah, well, I guess he's all right. I don't know. Did you watch his reaction video to all those people thanking him for his uh, what he does for the military and the no, firefighters? Didn't. I'm imagining that it was like a lot of crying. Yeah, and like, yeah, you know, Gary Sinise, Lieutenant Dan, right. Right, kind of hard ass yeah. kind of guy crying. David Tennant, he seems like a he seems like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. I would be upset if I found out anything horrible about David Tennant. Right. Bill Cosby, America's Dad. <laughs> we'll get to talk about him later. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> which he made his beginning as a comedic actor, which leads segues perfectly into this week's topic. <laughs> <laughs> comedy yay! it's one of those things of greek whatever the tenets of greek drama you know, you know yeah. tragedy and comma comedy mm-hmm. and basically even in the earliest written comedy we found out we find out that people have been laughing about the same things since the beginning of time political satire sex and fecal matter the real money is in dick and fart jokes. Exactly. I think we see a lot of, for the modern society, and since we've been growing up, we expose mostly to comedy through television. Yep. And I find comedy a very, it's a highly social construct, yet mm-hmm. it is very personal. Like, I know more people who find things funny i don't or vice versa than right. people i f- in have in common with for humor yeah and i i gotta be honest like that was kind of why i was excited to do this episode because like we did horror which horror is very subjective mm-hmm. like what scares you doesn't necessarily scare me and then we did action movies which action is action like you can't say like this is action to me but not action action movies are clearly defined mm. But comedy is another one that's really subjective. So, you know, you you could have something that you find absolutely hysterical that I just kind of stare blankly at. So I think it'll be cool to see, you know, where we're the same and where we differ. Right. I think the biggest thing we differ on probably is comedy TV. Are there any situational comedy TVs? I'm sure our viewers know what a situational comedy is. It's characters and scripted show. It's generally a multicam. Though there are right. there are a few fixed cams out there like Community, which is one of my favorites, and they're just situations presented in comedy, you know. Yeah. So, I am not a giant fan of the sitcom, um, at least in its modern incarnations. But I was thinking back, and I definitely enjoyed sitcoms when I was younger. Mm. Um, I watched a lot of like. Like, different Strokes would be a sitcom, wasn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, I watched a lot of Different Strokes. I watched a lot of Facts of Life and uh, One Day at a Time and, like, those, like, WKRP in Cincinnati. Mm. And, like, I was a big fan of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked uh, I liked ALF a lot. But I think I was, like, prime age for that. I was young right. when that show was on. Uh and I even watch and I watch stuff like Perfect Strangers and uh, like older stuff. I don't know where the split went eventually, though. For me, like I just kind of didn't like them after a while. Like I, I never, I don't like Friends, and I never did. Uh, I've tried to watch an episode before, and I didn't laugh once. Mm. Uh, the same thing goes for Seinfeld. I've never laughed at an episode of Seinfeld ever. <laughs> um, I just don't think it's funny. Uh, and I don't like the I don't like the more recent stuff either. I don't like Big Bang Theory. Uh, I got no interest in Modern Family. Um, a lot of people told me to watch the Goldbergs, and to me, it just seems like thirty minutes of just in joke references. Mm. Like, look, this is something that kids liked in the eighties, and since you're probably older <laughs> and watching this, you liked it too. Da da da! Like, isn't that isn't that clever? Isn't that weird? Um, and 
no, it's not. It's gimmicky and it's hokey, and I can't imagine enjoying it for longer than like five minutes at the most. Um, but I don't don't blame people for I don't blame people for liking it. It's just not what I find funny. Mm. I mean, not to get on the psychologist couch here, but for me, sitcoms are really a key to the good memories in my early okay. years because my parents. I generally just hung out with my parents till bedtime in their in their living room watching TV. So I was privy to a lot of things they watched. So I grew up watching like the, the New Hearts or New Heart, mm-hmm. Night Court, Wing. Yep, I watched a lot of Night Court. All those old sitcoms, WKRP, uh, Barney Miller. Yep, Barney Miller. You know, watching those on syndication and stuff with my parents and went to like All in the Family. I watched a lot of All in the Family. Yep. When I was a kid, family ties, all those family ties. Oh, so I guess, yeah, I guess in retrospect, I did watch a lot of sitcoms. I just vehemently stopped at one point. When I got my own TV, I basically watched any sitcom that was on syndication. If it was on after 10 PM, I watched. So like I've watched every episode of cheers, every episode of Frasier. I watched the show. I don't know if you remember, but when I was researching this, I, it totally like hit me in the forehead. Like, oh my god, I watched that show religiously because Lay <laughs> Thompson starred at Caroline in the City. Caroline in the City. I didn't watch it, but like I knew, like it was a thing. Like I was aware of. Just it. shoot me, Dharma and yep. Greg. So that's yep. where my man crush for Thomas Gibson started. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> you know, like. Probably like from back then, like some of my favorites, like Third Rock from the Sun, News Radio, but Wings is probably my most favorite. (laughs) I do remember that you being a big Wings fan. (laughs) I'd be remiss not to mention that the greatest comedy of all time that I enjoy and is my favorite is Quarter Gas. It's a Canadian comedy set in a small town in Saskatchewan. Okay. It's a very awesome show, and I love it. So I suggest anybody to watch it. But back on topic now, back to our early years. <laughs> I just didn't want to... Do you remember? A, do you remember a sitcom called Head of the Class? Yeah, I was thinking about somebody mentioned that somewhere the other day, and I was like, "Oh my god, I think I used to watch that." And sure enough, like I definitely did. It was about like a misfit group of kids in a, a like a city public school or something, and there was like the heavy set guy in the back of the room that was like used his computer for everything. And I remember that being like, you know, that was considered nerdy because no one had computers. Right. <laughs> like that's how, that's how old I am. Mm-hmm. If you want to put a carbon date on me. Um, coach. That's coach. Where, yeah. That's where Dauber was, is now Patrick star. <laughs> the voice of Patrick star, I should say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I watched I watched Roseanne when that was on. Not the new one, but like the original oh, yeah, one. I, I mean, remember watching that. It's pretty groundbreaking for the show, you know. Yeah, yeah. Definitely looked at the the real side of America. It wasn't. Yeah, it was like a blue collar comedy. Yeah. Def- you wouldn't have been able to have Larry the Cable Guy before Roseanne. Mm-hmm. It really made an impact and kind of shaped a landscape of tv that that was a marketable idea i mean sitcoms have never gotten away from the fat goofy dad and the hot mom Mm -hmm. you know who's his foil you know the simpsons yeah (laughs) yeah but that that's the tip does that count as a sitcom it's a cartoon sitcom, I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's got to fall in some of the lines somewhere. Right. And I mean, that's the biggest problem with a lot of situation comedies is that's just the mold. and Yeah, it's a formula. Yeah. And I find the more family oriented ones from our youth don't hold up. You know, anything that was on TGIF, Family Matters, Full House, Family Matters, Dinosaurs, yeah, House. Perfect Strangers, they don't really hold up as well. Yeah. I mean, Full House is unwatchable. It's Well, it's just kind of no no joke. My uh my kid went on uh he was on a binge of Full House. Like he watched every single episode <laughs> of Full House, including the new ones, and it was just like that fucking theme song was just drilled into my head. Like it would just, it haunted my nightmares for weeks on end. Like 
no. <laughs> they all kind of melt together too. Like I can right down to that one, or is it family matter matters, or is it the only one that like stands out of my mind is Perfect Strangers. Yes. And I can still see him like in that opening crawl, like you know, traveling from uh, what was it Nikos? Yes. Like he's like to get to the America, to get to America. I didn't start watching The Simpsons till my late teenage years, but I've really? obviously seen every episode plus the new ones. Multiple yeah, at this, this point, you speak it fluently. I think I am the Simpsons apologist. Yeah. Did your family were your family's Cosby Show watchers? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I was. Uh, I was telling Jen. Like I don't know, maybe a week or so ago, that at one point uh, we didn't have like we didn't have cable for a little while um, because we lived so far out in the fucking sticks that it hadn't been hooked up. Right. Uh, so we had to wait for them to come do it. Uh, and a friend of my parents would record for me. He would record the Cosby Show, uh, Different World, Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I think quantum leap nice maybe might have been the might have been the fourth one um so those were like the only shows that i really got to watch for a solid uh it was a good four or five months probably before we got any cable hooked up at the house uh so like i kind of like that was my that was my tv <laughs> was like those four fucking shows um so you know to find out that bill cosby is just the fucking antichrist incarnate um <laughs> You know, it was a bit of a, oh, right. You know, he was, he was kind of a big part of my early television years. Someone who accomplished something so important in the landscape of American And then completely TV. managed to fuck yeah. it up. Yeah. It's just, that's a betrayal beyond belief. Not only to, right. Mostly, I mean, first off to those women, but, you know. Yeah, of to, course. Like, my hurt doesn't even remotely compare. Right. You know, for me, it's just like a, you dick, like, you know, like you, oh, you so not only were you that kind of awful, but you're going to do this too. Like, you know, it's like turd icing on a turd cake. <laughs> Comedy movies, on the other hand, there's, I find, like, I, I was going through the list of all the sitcoms and like looking at them and I could name those shows and I could remember specific scenes in. Yeah. actors and like even to the point of where i was sitting watching those episodes and stuff like that mm -hmm. but for comedy movies i really don't have those memories attached i don't know how to explain why i th i think comedy movies it's basically you got two hours of jokes and unless it's a a masterpiece that yeah it, like i laughed at the first hangover but watch on repeated viewing it's not funny anymore because it was all okay. shock yeah. humor so you know it's coming but i mean the greatest hits i'm going to name off my favorites which are obviously some of the greatest comedy movies out there but you got planes trains and automobiles space balls the yeah. jerk history of the world part one naked gun and airplane what are some of your favorite comedy movies well i mean i'm gonna obviously add everything that you right. said right there because all of those are good picks that i love um i like pretty much any mel brooks movie i'm a huge young frankenstein fan i love blazing saddles mm. um zoolander i will fucking watch zoolander yeah. anytime it's on i absolutely love that movie um anchorman love anchorman uh the second one not not as much uh dodgeball oh, God, was fantastic yeah. it was just on it was just on uh yesterday like it was on like three different times yesterday and i watched it each time it was on um hot rod <laughs> like hot rod <laughs> is a fantastic movie that i have seen like probably a hundred times at least um any zucker brothers movie like you said like the naked gun movies or airplane like those are fucking fantastic um I have to mention like Chris Farley oh, movies. God, I like Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy and Black Sheep are amazing. Um, I am a big fan of The Rock as a comedic actor. I think he is just hysterical. Like he's just so talented on screen. Uh, Van Wilder, <laughs> the first Van Wilder movie with Ryan Reynolds was wonderful. Uh, 
And then obviously, because I can't name every single movie that's ever been made. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say that uh, nine times out of 10, if you put Johnny Knoxville in a movie, I, I am there. I will watch that. I find him absolutely hilarious. The Jackass movies are like far and above some of my favorite movies. What if I put those as comedy? Which feels like a really... Aw- <laughs> they're kind of comedy. <laughs> we'll call that like a weird subgenre. Because <laughs> Action Park was a comedy. And it was it was pretty damn good. He was funny in it anyway. So I guess all those... Movies you mentioned and comedy movies in general, well, I guess it's the whole genre. It has to be is that absurdist type look. It's all going to be absurd. Yeah. (laughs) It's like character comedy, like odd character comedy. I mean, obviously, Spaceballs and History of the World are parody movies. Parody movies, yeah. And they got an airplane. So they're their own things, but the ones you mentioned, they are character, like you said, very character-driven comedies. Yeah. Like Zoolander is absurdist, but it's about a specific right. character. Like it's not just like a ragtag group. It's focused on one mm-hmm. person. How do you like, do you like watching movies in the th- or, uh, comedies in the theater? No, absolutely not. I hate it. I don't either. Though. I was just curious if, like, you did at all. Like, is it, do you feel, like, uncomfortable laughing around people like that? Like, you don't yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely comedy is more of a fun thing to share with people you know, so. hmm I think maybe if you went to a good, lively theater, it might be interesting. Okay. Like, not to throw race into it, but there are several races that get into movies more than us white people. So I think going to yeah. see a movie geared towards those races would be fun. You okay. Know, for that experience, because I would go see a stand-up show. You know. Yeah. So I don't, I guess, why would it be different to see a movie? Because we're used to movies being a personal thing even in the theater it's still a personal journey whereas when you're laughing you're kind of throwing yourself out there it's a a vulnerability you know like never the psa to all our listeners never tell someone they have a weird laugh or awkward smile because you're taking that person's they'll never do it again you're taking their most happy moment and ruining it for them (laughs) You know what movies I forgot to mention? Any of the Broken Lizard movies. Mm. I will watch those absolutely anytime I get the chance to. Those movies are great. So basically you're saying when I introduced this topic, I was lying because you've named 700 movies that I should have been able to name myself. So <laughs> no, I think I think I think that's a I think that's the difference between you and me. I think you find your comedy on TV more than you find but it. But those in are all movies film. you mentioned that I've seen and laughed at and would watch again. Yeah, but there's probably a bunch of others that I might mention at some point that you would be like, I don't, I didn't find that funny. Like you know, I'm, I'm waiting. I guess. You... Well, well, you know, and like if you mentioned a bunch of TV, I'm going to be like, I didn't, I didn't find that. Funny. I'm very I'm very picky with the TV that I watch that I find funny. And I feel like that's how you are with film, too. I think the only ones so far that you've mentioned are the jackass ones that are I'm just not a big fan. (laughs) But and that's why you were like, I don't know if those count as comedy because they're not they're not funny. (laughs) They're dangerous, though. That's a horrible example for children. <laughs> I can't wait to show him. Like he's watched the safe stuff on like YouTube. And you make him watch the pukey stuff. That's I'll get there. You break them in hard, you know. You don't start off easy. Break them in with the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't don't tenderfoot it. Just uh, dive right in. Show him the ones easiest, most easy to repl- replicate. <laughs> Ugh. No. I think and are mentioning our movies. I think the saddest ones are like, could you imagine all the movies like 
Chris Farley would have been in. Yeah, or, or all of the great cameos uh, Phil Hartman yeah. would have done. Simpsons would have been a totally different show. It would have. It would have. Jesus, we've speaking of Phil Hartman, like, uh, so I married an axe murderer. Right? Like that one character he plays in that is like one of the more memorable characters in the entire movie. Yeah, because I hate that movie and he was the only good one. Do you really? See, there you go. I find that movie <laughs> funny and you don't like it. So there you go. That was another movie ruined by friends pushing it down my throat. It no, wasn't me, no. was it? Okay, good. Uh, I was, you know, constantly getting berated because I wasn't laughing. You know? Yeah, I hate that. It's why I don't like watching comedies with like a group of people either. Like, I'll watch it with like one or two other people, like, but it has to be somebody that I know their sense mm. of humor. Because otherwise, if I laugh at something that they don't find funny, I'm like, I feel dumb, right. you know? And me, I'm going to laugh at anything anyway because I have that personality quirk. Right. <laughs> As I'm laughing now, it's talking about that. <laughs> As you laugh, yeah. Sometimes I laugh at anything. <laughs> I think talking about comedy that way and how different it is person to person a lot of times is I think we put a lot of stock into what makes people laugh where for better or for worse, people's intelligence level is tied to comedy. And I don't, I don't know if there's a correlation or not, but we find ourselves judging others based on what they laugh at. Which kind of sucks, really. Like, I know plenty of smart people who laugh well, I mean, at fart like, jokes. Don't, like, one of the most famous authors, Jennifer Place, say that falling and farting are the two will always be funny. Yeah, that's how when yeah when uh, when she and I first got together, when she was trying to describe her sense of humor to me, she just said farting and falling are two things that will always be funny, and I was like, well, she's probably the one. <laughs> And I think, I don't know if anybody subscribes to the YouTube channel ContraPoints, but Natalie did an awesome episode on called The Darkness, and it talked about dark comedy. And definitely, you have to be very intelligent about the way you do dark comedy. A lot of people yeah. find dark comedy funny. It's not, it's not edgy anymore, you know? Like... No, it was, I remember, like, I, I mean, dark comedy has always been a thing, so I, I shouldn't act like our really? generation kind of fucking, it, like, it reinvented the wheel on it, but, like, I, I definitely remember, like, you know, seeing things that I was like, how are people laughing at that? And then you watch them, and, th you know, they're kind of funny, like, I mean, every, uh, every fuck. white guy our age is going to say Bill Hicks is the greatest comic, comic you know? Is yeah. just to seem yeah. like an edge lord, you know, it's like a pat right. him on the head and go, okay, <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. We get it. <laughs> Was Bill Hicks funny? Yes, but that's as far as it went. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like being in high school saying your favorite band is Led Zeppelin or something. It's like, yes, yes, the kids are around. everybody flocks to you like, whoa, <laughs> they don't understand me. <laughs> Not if Bill Hicks is your favorite comedian, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying. Yeah, so be it. So be it. For... Just as long as you understand that he is not the. There are a lot of guys that look like Joe Rogan that say he is the greatest thing <laughs> since uh, since sliced bread. I'm just saying that maybe they're not totally accurate. Plus, you have to be very intelligent to handle comedy like that. You can't. A lot of people are edgelords and just say the controversial thing and then run behind, you know, one or two uh, shields of, oh, it's free space or you're yeah. a snowflake, you know. Comedy's yeah. supposed to offend you, but yeah. But there's it's a line. Maybe that there's a line. It's more like it needs to be intelligent. Yeah. It's supposed to offend you in a way that makes you think. It's not supposed to offend you in a way that makes you like, Hmm. angry like the point of good comedy is is that it's supposed to be entertaining but also right. thought-provoking not always don't get me wrong like i said the real money's in dick and fart jokes thank you <laughs> kevin smith um <laughs> kevin smith movies we forgot oh, yeah. those. Uh, that's, that's not really great yeah yeah scrap the episode <laughs> um right we're done um
But no, it's like it's supposed. Sometimes it's supposed to give you that kind of detachment from reality, and it's supposed to just make you laugh and feel better. And then sometimes the point of good comedy is to make you laugh and then teach you something without even re- you realizing it's mm. teaching you something. And there's very few. Like that's kind of what sets stand up apart from everything else. I think Twitter kind of ruins that because. Well, I mean, Twitter ruins a lot. <laughs> because now everybody's that edgelord comedian. Yeah, everybody's a comedian now. Like, everybody's funny in 140 characters. Or no, is it 280 now? <laughs> is that whatever? Uh, I'm lucky if I get like 16. Um, yeah, it's just uh, everybody thinks they're really, really funny now. Not all of no, them are right. No, vast majority are not. So is there any stand-up comedian that you look back on that affected your worldview when you were growing up? Um, I watched a lot of George Carlin, uh, and he was, you know, he was, he made a lot, he did, he did whole sections of just fart jokes, but he was very thought-provoking comedy. Uh, and that kind of, it definitely factored into the way I view the world. Um, I watched, uh, let's see, what other stand-up com- comedians did I really, really like? It was like Carlin. I watched a lot of Eddie Murphy. Uh, I watched a lot of Richard Pryor. Like, I watched, like, the older stuff because by the time I was old enough to really watch stand-up comedy, it kind of coincided with when I had a TV mm. in my room. Uh, so my parents couldn't really pay that much attention to the stand-up that I was watching. So... Like, do you remember HBO used to do like once a month, they would have like a big right. stand-up special or something like that. And it was always like big comedians because that was the place for comedy then. Um, so, I mean, that's where I caught a lot of my shit. Uh, and it just so happened to be kind of like my formative years of like 14 and 15. So those definitely factored in. I was, before I did stand-up, before I got into stand-up, I watched a lot of like, sketch mm. stuff um i watched a lot of oh, kids yeah. in the yeah. hall uh which which definitely affected my sense of humor in a lot of ways um i watched a lot of monty python uh movies and the show so i mean those have been like super influential on the stuff that i find funny uh and and i kind of adopt that weird shit like we were watching life of brian the other night and I realized, like, I do these voices, like, all the time. And it's from this movie. Like, you don't even realize how it kind of absorbs its way mm. into your being. Uh, I watched a lot of Ben <laughs> Hill. <laughs> which was, like, absurd, over-the-top kind of goofy shit. Um, and, like, probably most influential in my, like, 20s was, uh, like, I watched Eddie mm. Izzard's Dressed to Kill which was like super thought provoking comedy and also still kind of absurd and, and like, right. you know, British and uh, like those were definitely big influences on me. What about you? I just I mentioned how I had Carlin's uh, brain droppings book and when I was a teenager and yeah. my dad threw it out. on Was it, didn't your dad anyway, say he was like a communist or something? A fucking commie liberal, abortion-loving motherfucker's book in this goddamn fucking house. Wow. I remember that as clear as day when wow. he threw the book out. <laughs> Whoa. Did you own up to it? Because I, like, I wouldn't uh, know. Can we just eat dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah, definitely. I will. I was going to ask you like the three or four stand-up specials that you would give someone to understand your list or understand your sense of humor and, or you as a person yeah. dress the kills on my list. And then I have the two Bo Burnham big specials make happy and, and what, Oh yeah. And then I didn't have any specific specials yep, for them. Those are really good. The ridiculous comedians like Mitch Hedgeberg, Stephen Wright and Maria, and Maria Bamford. Yes. Yeah, those yep. are, they all define the comedy I types of comedy I love. Yeah. 
like and that's the that's the the thing that's hard for me about like picking out comedy because there's so many stand-up specials that i've watched over the years that i've thought were like really really funny but to pick the ones that kind of like you know define you or, or help define you this is like you got I, I guess i got a little more picky because like obviously like mitch hedberg mm. is fantastic how can you <laughs> not mention mitch hedberg i was a big fan of like i'm a big fan of like the comedy mm. roasts i like that kind of i like that kind of comedy um so those were always fun like when i first got comedy central it was like <laughs> heaven on earth for me because like it was just like you remember what Comedy Central was back in the day. Like it was just nothing but like clip shows of stand-up comedians. That's all it was. So it was like you never got a chance to get tired of anything because they would come on and tell two jokes and then it would yeah, be on to the next guy. Being in a comedy club, you get their eight minute sets, yeah, a commercial. The next one would come up and be an eight minute sets. Then it was Benny Hill and whose line is it anyway? <laughs> you know. That was comedy yep. central. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the, the original <laughs> whose line is it anyway? That was basically <laughs> old time. Comedy Central. <laughs> yeah. Have you have, have you gone to live comedy? I've never been to live or comedy. No? Never. Nope. Never. Wow. I don't I've been to a lot of live comedy. <laughs> I don't know who I'd want to go see. Like That's the hard thing. Right. Like, because you find somebody that you kind of want to see and like tickets are pricey, man, for some of those like bigger names. So I don't really want to go to Ash Night because I'm kind of a frumpy looking person who would get picked out by the hacks, comedies, comedians. You know? Yeah. Yep. I don't feel like having my self-confidence shot. <laughs> right. In front of hack a doesn't of right material. <laughs> 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 So I have those, those fears. <laughs> I think that is a totally valid form of fear for anything. Like anytime I've gone to like a club comedy show, I've been like, Oh God, please don't let me be sitting anywhere where I can be in eyesight of anyone. I don't want to get picked on. Cause you know, the guy behind you will heckle and then the community will think it's you. Yeah, and then he'll look, but he'll see me because I'm bald with a beard, and they'll be like, "Oh, it must be this guy." Beardy McBeard beard. Yeah, what's up there, baldy face beard? You <laughs> <sighs> need the baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> I think talking about stand-up co- comedians too. Seeing them, it's a one-person show generally, and they a lot of comedians that are truly genre-defining really put themselves out there. You know, like you mentioned yeah, Richard Pryor, and he's famous for some of the stories he tells of yeah about his own addiction and uh, and yeah. all of his issues. I think the thing that attracts me so much to Bo Burnham is how much he hides of himself on stage while showing. It's so you're not sure. It's almost like it's almost like wrestling <laughs> watching him because you don't know. Yeah, yeah. You, it's kind of a dance. You never know if he's being. You never know if he's being sarcastic yeah, or know, if he's telling you the truth. He always just ends the show on some thought-provoking bit that you just can't shake for weeks. <laughs> yeah. What did you? Have? I'm a big fan of Jim Jeffries. His stand-up is really funny. He's got his own show now on Comedy Central, oh, which is really probably funny. has his own podcast too. He's kind <laughs> like of like, <laughs> yes, he does. That's right, like we all do. Yeah, uh, you and I relate to the party on that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but he does a lot of political stuff, and uh, occasionally he's he, his early stuff. He was usually like mm. blind drunk on stage, which just kind of made it funnier. Like the dude who did what was it up all night or what? Or what was that? Dave Attell. Oh, uh, Dave Attell. Yeah. I forget what the name was. It was it up all night? Oh, I think that was, think that was the Dave USA's uh, sleazy. Up all <laughs> night was Ron Shear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was Ron. That was Ron Shear. Uh... <laughs> totally, totally. It's his fault show. that uh, Pawn Stars became a thing. 
Well, yeah, because he was. Is it in really Las Vegas for that? He went to Cash for Gold or whatever that. Did he really? It's called. I but didn't know that. That. Yeah, that was like when it wasn't a showroom; it was straight up. Where, yeah, we're here for like ga- addicted shop. gamblers type pawn shop. You know, so right. they had to go into like the room, and it was open twenty four hours, and there were that slot room and all. Wow. So it's a lot less glitzy. But he was with Rick. I never knew that. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Man, I got to see if I can find that so I can <laughs> see how sleazy it looks. Because now they show it on TV and you're like, that's not a, it's a showroom. Yeah. I'm not worried about getting my <laughs> thumbs broken in here. So then. Uh, I, I think we've mentioned this in other episodes. Why do you feel that comedy is one of those genres that like has the hardest time, like standing the test of time? Like, is it because as society changes, what we laugh at changes so drastically too? Um, I think. So well, I, I don't know if that's a fair statement or not. Because I think it's definitely a longer. Well, let me think about this. Give me one second here. I'm framing this <laughs> uh, thesis you have me writing right now in my head. Because I'm looking uh-huh. at it like we certainly laugh at old time movies, and but not definitely not, not all, all of them. them. So I'm wondering if, like, it's the type of comedy, maybe? Like, Mad, 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 Mad World is still funny to me. But maybe a political comedy wouldn't be funny? Yeah. Might not be. Like, maybe maybe movies aren't quite as suspect. Yeah, I guess stand-up is definitely an evolving form that reflects the, the society at large, like, in the old time. Yeah. Yeah, you got about a yeah. ten year window on your stand up. Like if it's not if it's not good, you'll know you in about like ten the years. Vaudeville style guys, and then you had the the com the Catskill resort comedy guys. Yeah, like I mean, the Borscht Belt. Yeah, even Carlin started off as that. You know, and then you moved into yeah. the seventies when you had people like Richard Pryor and Lenny Bruce kind mm-hmm. of broke through to get the topics to situational you saw the start of um what's that type of comedy called the jerry steinfeld's famous for it i think as coming out of the 70s going into the 80s there's the boom of comedy and then you come into the 90s where observational humor is really the the deal of the land at that point and that's how comedians are doing their shtick and then now in modern times i really think it's it has to blur the lines of reality and humor. I mean, uh, Gapsies and Nanette. It's almost know, like, much more personal. Gapsies and Nanette there. It's it's heart-wrenching, you know, but it's still a comedy special, you know. And it's really yeah. pulling the line of what comedy is and defining comedy for the audience. And it's a study on society because really it's not okay to laugh at everything anymore because we're no like i i often hear people say and maybe you have too so tell me if you have like i always hear people say like when you bring up a movie like blazing saddles that oh well you couldn't make that nowadays like have you heard people say that you shouldn't have you shouldn't be able to make that movie it's it's good that Mm. we can't make that movie now like that movie was meant to poke fun at racism and racists and everything dumb and ignorant that is involved mm. with like racism. Like nobody in that movie that's a racist is portrayed right. in a nice light, like in no way, shape or form by not being able to make that movie. Now it means that we've come to the point where it's not as necessary right. to make that movie now. Like, that's what we're supposed to do. Like, you're not supposed to laugh at the same fucking thing forever. Like, when you find things that aren't necessarily taken as funny by society anymore, you just stop laughing at them. Like, you understand that it it, it makes people upset and you don't laugh at it anymore. Like, it's not a bad thing to have moved on from that. Like, I could still watch Blazing Saddles and think it's funny. 
uh, because I still know people that mm. talk like those idiots, you know, but I, I, I also look at it and think like, well, I'm glad it's not quite that blatant. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, in a different way, I suppose. Like, I don't think in five to 10 years, Saturday Night Live will be as funny. The skits they're doing today with about Trump and stuff. I don't think those will be as funny anymore. No, probably not, because it's like the kind of humor that you have because to like live you watch in to find Dana it that Carvey funny. doing Bush or the multiple Clintons. It just it wasn't. Yes, it doesn't. It doesn't have the same oomph. Like you and I can laugh I mean, at it, but not, that's I because we lived it. The society too, we've kind of grown past it. It just doesn't have it yeah. doesn't have its thing to say anymore. Whereas it's only funny when it has something to say. Right. Well, we've done our best to make comedy not funny. So thank you for tuning in. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Medic Five by Five. And you can find me on Twitter at a Thomas nineteen seventy eight. Me a damn outro, so I'm not constantly stumbling <laughs> on this point in the podcast. I it's don't our, want to say goodbye. That's shit. what I'm sticking with. Because each and every one of you well, listeners is a beautiful person, except that one guy I'm talking to right now. You're not. <laughs> Thanks. I'm right here, Dick. <laughs> You're 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 a special person too. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in and next week we will let you know what we're going to talk about on Wednesday because that's what we do because I can never plan ahead because if I planned ahead I couldn't procrastinate and if I pro- didn't procrastinate nothing would ever get done. So That's right. Peace out my fellow podcasters. Have a good night. Later, y'all.